Exclusive live interviews. People, I think, have got that hunger back for hockey. Game highlights. Shot score! Jordan Everly set up by Taylor Hall. Expert analysis and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Live. Brought to you by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Edmonton's number one real estate resource. Now... From the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio, Oilers Radio. 630 Shed. Ricard Raquel with a beauty in overtime, and the Anaheim Ducks hand the Edmonton Oilers a 2-1 loss. The Oilers lose both their games on this California trip by a count of 2-1. They do get the overtime loss point tonight. They are winless in their last Seven, but tonight's game definitely a strong effort. Uh, turned into a pretty entertaining game. Great goaltending by Cam Talbot, but unfortunately he does not get the win. Overtime open line coming to you from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. We're presented by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team, along with former Pittsburgh Penguin and other teams. Rob Brown, but I know you most associate with the Penguins. <laughs> well, as I, a Penguin, I, you have a Penguin personality. I, I yeah, I, yeah, something along those lines. Well, I got too many other teams; it would be too long to put them all in that resume. <laughs> I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can get us on open line at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text us at six thirty six thirty. We're going to jump right into our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Well, I think the, the the adjustment tonight for for the Oilers is the fact that uh, in a in a league where they very rarely will play the same goaltender back-to-back night. Uh, the Oilers decided not to go with Anders Nielsen. Instead, they went with Cam Talbot back-to-back games, and he gave him two stellar nights. And, you know, two very tough buildings to play in. He makes 66 saves out of 70 shots. He gave them two solid efforts, two chances to win hockey games. Unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to score any goals for his team because up front they only managed two goals in this road trip. But the adjustment of the night was having Talbot in net for back-to-back games, and he was stellar. He did get an assist. He did get an assist. He yes, he did. He did get an assist. He knocked the puck out of the crease. Pouliot picked it up. Eventually got it to Everly, who scored the only goal of the game for the Oilers, a minute 53 into the third period. Just a minute, what are we, a minute 9 or a minute 11 after the other goal? we got to do some math. Just over a minute after the uh, Anaheim Ducks went ahead. Um, Talbot, the third star tonight. Cam Fowler, the second star. Raquel, the game winner. The first star, I think, in my mind, the fourth star of the game, courtesy of Missioner Allen Auctioneering. You can try the auction advantage. We have the selection. You set the price. Check out maauctions.com. I know who my fourth star is, Rob, but I'll let you go first. Well, I'm going to agree with you. I mean, Brandon Davidson was excellent. Head-to-head all night long with with, with Getzlaff. He plays 26 and a half minutes. Uh, this kid is just emerging to be a, a wonderful story here for the Edmonton Oilers, a guy that nobody had on the team at the beginning of the season, uh, yet has, has found a way not only to get himself into the lineup, to, but to get himself in every important uh, position, every important moment on the ice, whether it's on the power play, penalty killing, early parts of overtimes, last minutes of periods, and he's been excelling. So Brandon Davidson, to me, was the four-star, and outside of Cam Talbot was the best player on the ice by far for the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers were outshot 34-18, and, you know, a bit similar to, to last night where... The, the Ducks, like the Kings, started to control the game in the third period. I mean, the shots were really lopsided in the third. 12-3 for Anaheim, 10-8 for the Oilers in the second. Well, they were pretty lopsided in the first period, 13-5 in the first for the Ducks, so it didn't feel that way like it did in the third to me. No, no, I, I mean, the, the Anaheim Ducks should outshoot the Edmonton Oilers. They're better. I mean, up front, they've got some superstars. They're a team that is as, as hot as any in the National Hockey League, and they're playing against another team who's beat up on the back end. they got uh, a ton of inexperience, so they should outplay the Oilers, but the Oilers, I thought, did a pretty good job. They battled tonight. They competed. They didn't do those things on home ice last week. They did it in L.A. They did it in Anaheim. Uh, they're going in the right direction. I think that they were challenged by the coach, challenged by the GM. They left the ice disappointed and, and heard it from the fans in Edmonton after the last game on home ice, and they've responded well. We're looking for somebody to finish the play, by the way, if you like winning stuff on a Friday night. On who doesn't? Who doesn't? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. A couple of text messages about the game-winning goal 
Robin, I think you'll enjoy responding to these. <laughs> this texter says he's hitting allowed in overtime. Why not knock Raquel down on that play? Who, who's going to knock him down? I mean, <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl uh, is in a bad spot. Leon Dreisaitl skating backwards with a very skilled player coming at him. That's not Leon's uh, forte. And that and Raquel knew that. Raquel came down David's inside and immediately went over to the forward. And whether it would have been Drysaddle there, Eberly there, McDavid there, whoever it is, you see a forward skating backwards, you attack him. And he had Drysaddle looking at the puck and went in. Drysaddle, if he would have tried to hit him, he would have missed him anyways. He was in just in a bad position. That's the one hard part going two forwards, one D. All the teams do it except for one that I've seen this year. And th- that time the Oilers got burnt on it. Uh, I mean, I I know I'm sure that texture is frustrated that the Oilers didn't win. Watch any overtime. I mean, we watched most of the Islanders Flames. Was there a hit in that one? No, I mean, there's Johnny never is. Gou- Johnny Goudreau did a couple spinoramas <laughs> about three seconds apart. The, the, Try and hit him, you know, the, like most most times in three on three, you're you're playing kind of a zone defense. You're you're playing an area, and if the guy comes to your area, good. You you don't lunge at anyone because you lunge and you miss. Now you're in big trouble. Uh, to me, sometimes you tip your hat. Wonderful play by Raquel on dry settle and an even better move, uh, putting it past Cam Talbot. All right, Daryl with the other question about the goal. Actually, Daryl starts off the text by saying, this is for Bob Stoffer." Well, Daryl, Bob's <laughs> not here, and he's not looking at the text right now. But Daryl says, what a lazy play by Hall to get back and defend the player who scored in overtime. Once again, that's not Hall's guy. If if Hall attacks Raquel, then the puck goes to Hall's guy, then Hall's going to look like a fool that way. It, it was uh, a play, maybe the two defenders, Davidson and, and, and Drysaddle, could have been closer together and probably should have. And if it was two defensemen back there, they would get an earful from the, the coaching staff after the game saying you guys have got to be tighter. You can't give the middle of the ice up like you did. Dry settles not a defenseman. That is honestly the first time I've seen him skate backwards this year. And it, it was a good play by Getzlaff who kept control of the puck and changed. And Raquel came on the ice. He had full speed going through the neutral zone and he caught a, a very flat-footed Leon Drysettle. Drysettle, he, he, he was made look silly. He was. It was a great play where Raquel made him look silly. But most forwards in that position are, are not going to be able to defend it that well. 2-1, Ducks over the Oilers in overtime. I tweeted out my Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins. The Oilers won 60% of the faceoffs tonight, including McDavid going 7-4-11. And I got a reply from an account simply called Hockey saying, I want chicken now. Seriously? Not sure how faceoff stats prompted that person to want chicken. You know, now I'm hungry. But it's Friday. Stay up late and order yourself some chicken. Who's going to stop you? I'm hungry now. Go get some whatever. Actually, I prefer chocolate. Can we send out for some chocolate right now? (laughs) Maybe Barry can help us. Barry, how's it going? You're on the line. Hey, good. How are you guys? You want to finish the play tonight, buddy? Sure, that'd be good. All right. Just for competing, you get 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express. If you are correct, we'll put your name into the big grand prize draw drum. Say that four times Hmm. fast. For 1000 bucks to Integra Tire. Love your ride with Integra Tire in Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, and Stony Plain. Here we go. Hall mishandles the puck, landing over to Davidson. His off-balance shot. Barry, goal or no goal? No goal. Hall mishandles the puck, landing over to Davidson. His off-balance shot. And that handcuffed Freddie Anderson, but he still was able to make the save, even though I'm not sure he saw it. Barry, good stuff. You win, finish the play tonight. Of course, the Oilers' only goal was scored by Jordan Eberle, his 20th of the season in 50 games. Obviously, he missed uh, a bunch there at the start of the year. What did he miss, 13? Yeah, he missed 13 to start the year. By the way, lots of stuff flying around on Twitter that Anders Nilsson will be traded to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously, uh, he was didn't play tonight. And I, I don't think he has a future with the Oilers at this point. So uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition tonight or over the weekend. We had Barry on the line. Now we have Gary. Gary, thanks a lot for calling. Great, Ross. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, yeah much better effort than the uh, last home game here uh, with Ottawa. Um, the Raquel goal, I mean, uh, it was a skilled play. And <laughs> I said it was... Uh, uh, if Drysaddle and Hall have been a little bit closer together and try to stick chuck them, maybe just get in front of them somehow, you know, but uh, it is what it is. Um, go tell you about Talbot. Excellent. He gave the chance uh, the Oilers to win. It's unfortunate we didn't get uh, our power play going. Once again, our power play stymied again. 
I think just to simplify it, and I mentioned this comment before, maybe you should bring Ryan Smith back as a consultant to show these guys how to score uh, around the net in the blue, blue paint area. And um, for the remaining games now, I guess uh, um, looking down the schedule here, we've got the Islanders coming Sunday. I think they can keep the effort going and um, you know maybe play some spoiler here, get some points, take some points away from some of these other teams coming into uh, that are in the playoff front. And uh, all I can say for now. Yeah, Gary, thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate it. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Want to catch up on some of those when we get back. The Oilers lose 2-1 to the Ducks. That means a $50 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. 50 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. You can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. It's 10.58 from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line for the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. You're listening to the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The front of their own net, exceptionally well on that sequence, Bob. Vatten in right corner, takes it back behind the net, leaves it for Silverberg, still tied at one, three and a half to go. Silverberg comes off the goal line, checked by Osterley, hits for the net, wrist shot, saved Talbot once, twice, still loose in the blue paint, and the Ducks can't muscle at home, it's waved off, 3.26 to go in the third period. That was a mad scramble in front, and it's our save of the game, brought to you by Armor Insurance, working today to protect your tomorrow. Cam Talbot holding the fort. At one point, Robin, that scrum, I think a skate or somebody's stick hit the meshing, and, and I at first I was like, what was that? And a few, you could hear a few fans cheer because they saw the, the net move, but that was a, a huge pileup in the crease. Oilers were under fire there. Uh, the Ducks forechecked them a lot at times in the third period, but Talbot there again strong. And he needed to be tonight. And we talked about it going into this road trip that Talbot had to be strong in both both games to give them an opportunity to win. He was, unfortunately for the Oilers. The the work ethic was there. The physicality was there. The, the attention to detail was there. But the offensive touch wasn't. And the Oilers, only two goals in this road trip. Uh, that's not going to win many games ever. So the Oilers got to find a way to get the puck in the net. The biggest way to do is on their power play. And their power play tonight really didn't create a whole lot. Quick text message here before we go to the phone lines. Trent from up north, good to hear from you. He says the Oilers' best player tonight was Talbot, Davidson, and Osterley. Looked like they've played together for years. The last two games they've been great. Good chemistry and communication between the two. Also nice to see McDavid come out positive in the face-off circle. We have Chris on the line. Chris, thanks a lot for calling. Yeah, no worries. Uh, earlier this week I heard that uh, Washington was the team that made it to 44 wins the fastest. I, I wonder where these statisticians get these ideas that they make up this stuff. Not that that's made up, but like olden day hockey, you had ties. So does 44 wins mean much nowadays? Well, I, I mean, stats are, st- I mean, things always change, right? I mean, what about Maris and Ruth hitting home runs, right? I mean, Maris played more games than Ruth did when he hit 60, so a lot of times people said that record should account. There are more points handed out now. There are more wins, you're right, because somebody gets two points uh, every game. I mean, I don't know, it's, it's relative to this season, the Washington Capitals are the best team. Well, what they're trying to do is the NHL is trying to sell their game. The Washington Capitals trying to sell the Capitals in Washington, so anytime you have a chance to... To, to throw out something positive, you throw it out. So I understand what you're saying. You're, you're, you're right. But if you have an opportunity to sell something to get more interest either in the game or in the team in your city, you're going to do it to try and build up uh, fan support. Okay. Um, I heard that uh, Clint Denning got his uh, minutes cut in the third period. Was he not performing up to snuff tonight? I, I think that Clint Denning... It, it, <laughs> Clendenning has struggled at times, and Clendenning was probably in over his head when the the Anaheim Ducks started pushing the pace, when they started using their big forwards down low. Uh, he's he's unable to uh, to to read it, uh, react to it. He doesn't have the strength to fight it off. And they had four players that were playing better than him tonight, and I think that was 
that was the biggest thing. I mean, Clendenning's in the lineup because Justin Schultz isn't. And if the Oilers are healthy, Clendenning has a healthy defense. Clendenning's not in their lineup. They're giving them the opportunity to see what he can do because they picked him up on waivers. But Clendenning is is not, I don't believe, a guy for the future of the Edmonton Oilers. And tonight, Todd McClellan thought they had an opportunity to win this hockey game, and him on the ice wasn't giving them the best chance. Okay. Thanks for your comments. Yep. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Ducks over the Edmonton Oilers 2-1 in overtime. Ricard Raquel got the game winner in regulation time. It was Ryan Getzlaff on a power play goal early in the third period. Jordan Eberle had the reply for the Edmonton Oilers, his 20th of the season from Pouliot and Cam Talbot. 780-496-0063. We have Hazen on the line. Hazen, am I saying your name right? Yeah, you are. Okay, what's on your mind? Um, well, I heard a potential, not necessarily a rumor, but maybe an idea of a trade. Um, two unproven rookies, two two offensive defensemen, uh, Yakupov, Schultz, maybe a draft pick to Tampa Bay for a Duran, D'Angelo, and maybe a draft pick as well. What are your thoughts on that? I, I yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if there's a if there's a trade with Tampa Bay if it would be of that size, Hazen. I, I think Schultz for D'Angelo. I know that's been rumored before. Yeah. Um, I think that one is possible. I, well, what I, about I, the, the two unproven rookies? You know, Yakupov. I mean, well, they're not rookies. I mean, they're they're not well. rookies. They're and there are there. I don't know. I don't even know if personally. I don't even know if unproven is the right word for Schultz and Yakupov. I think disappointing might might be the word. Yeah. They're, well, then and then well, I'm talking about Yakupov and Duran. You know, you got you got two guys. They're young. Um, they got. You know, from their draft years, they've had a wide range of potential that was listed. But two guys in Yakupov and Duran that need a scenery, you know. Uh, Duran obviously not working out in uh, Tampa. Yakupov, you know, going through the uh, the struggles in Edmonton, you know. Would there be something related to that degree on having those players swapped or something like that? Well, do you, do you think that's a good trade for Edmonton? Well, I mean, uh, you know, Duran had... No, I don't. I, I, yeah, yeah. Do you think it's a good trade for Edmonton? I, I, would, I would personally think so. Well, then uh, what I've noticed or what I've found over my years of doing this, if you think it's a good trade for yourself, then it's probably not a good trade for the other team. Okay. So, so I mean, yeah, I, I would do it. Yeah. I certainly would as well. Um, uh, well back on Yakupov, um, I read also he's, he's played with two centers this whole year, Letestu and McDavid. Um, I understand when McDavid came in, Everly went down with an injury. But why hasn't Yakupov been seeing some top six minutes, or at least some top six centermen? He's not good enough. He's Jordan Everly's a better hockey player than El Yakupov. Oh no, I, I understand that to an degree. But you you had McDavid and Yakupov put together. Yakupov had 11 points in I yeah he, games before Connor went down. He, yeah, Yakupov and, had two goals when he played with them. Yeah. Then he had a bunch of secondary assists. Yeah, okay. they need a goal scorer with McDavid. Everly scores goals. I mean, yeah. tonight's a perfect example of the type of goals that Everly can score. Um, oh, no. Both of them have deficiencies. He's got Everly's got deficiencies in his game as well. But Yakupov, Yakupov hasn't earned the trust of the coaching staff, just like he did in the previous four four coaching staffs or three coaching staffs that he had. He there's too yeah. many things that he doesn't do do right when he doesn't have the puck. Yeah, you know, I, I noticed that the defensive zone coverage, the mm-hmm. you know, even breaking out. I understand that, but I mean, you know, either if in my eyes, I know it's my it's personal opinions. The one in my eyes, you know, it's either a diff, um, uh, stick him with a top six centerman, or you just ship him out of town. And it looks like you know, within maybe the next, maybe in the off season or whatever, that he he will not be an Oiler. But I just thought I'd ask you guys those questions. Thanks for your time. Yeah, well, he may get the chance to play higher up if Teddy Purcell is traded. Uh, I mean, Neil Yakupov tonight played 10 minutes. That was the lowest amount of anybody actually in the entire game, but certainly the most on the Oilers. He, Jarkera uh, played 10.52. And we've seen that traditionally. So, uh, look, I I mean, I got a little mad last night just because I, I get sick of answering the question. It, it, but Todd McClellan doesn't wake up in the morning and say, okay, which player's name am I going to draw out of the hat and I'll shaft him on ice time? And it keeps being Neil Yakupov. Uh, I mean, he sees him at practice, they go over his game film, and there's a reason that McClellan has for having him in the lineup, 
where he is in the lineup, and it's not just, well, I'm going to deny this guy an opportunity because I feel like it. He has he has coaches' reasons for doing it. You can disagree with them as a, as a fan, but th- that's how McClellan and the staff feels about it. And what you're seeing with the line that he's being put on, he's being put with guys that are defensively conscious, and, and that's what they need with him. They need guys that uh, are very smart when it comes to defending because Yak struggles with it. And they if they put him with offensive players, then all of a sudden there's a huge deficiency on the one side defend in the defensive end. So they do gotta put him and, and actually and I thought the last two games of that Nails played well. I I think he's limited at what he can do. He's not not gonna be a big scoring line because the guys he's playing with aren't scorers at all. But they create. They they, they had good four check going, they had energy and those are positives. So the, he has taking steps forward that way. But he's doing it in limited minutes, and he's doing it in a protected role. 2-1, Ducks beat the Oilers in overtime tonight. We have Lloyd on the line. Hey, Lloyd, go ahead. Hi. Just a quick uh, two or three comments. One is that uh, I can't believe your patience in uh, dealing with some of these people that call in, and I don't know if they say things for effect or if they sometimes really aren't watching the same game that I am. But uh, I appreciate your tolerance of them. Secondly, my comment is about three-on-three or the overtime. That's always a crapshoot, and I think the Oilers have uh, people that can compete with anybody in the league in a three-on-three, and it's just uh, the way the puck bounces and uh, and who wins it. And I guess lastly, I have absolute faith in the new management to make the right moves, and I think next year will be a very different uh, Oiler club. Oh, very good points. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with the the, the comment about the three-on-three. Three. I think the Oilers are, are built right now for three-on-three. Three. The players they have, unfortunately, tonight, uh, they got the bad break, and, and Raquel took full advantage of Leon Dreisaitl in the wrong position. And I, I do agree with you. I do believe the Oilers have the right management team, and they have a plan, and they are going to act on that plan. Now, having a plan and acting on it and getting everything you need, it's still going to be tough. Because everything that the Oilers are looking for, there's probably 25 to 28 other teams looking for the same things. But they know what they want. They're going to try and do it, and they're going to address the needs. I I believe this is going to be a completely different-looking team come next September, one that's built more along the lines of what we saw when Peter Shrelly was with the Boston Bruins, one more along the lines that are going to compete against the top teams in the West, which would be the Anaheim Ducks, the LA Kings, teams like that, bigger, stronger. So that's what we're hoping for, and now we just got to see if Peter Shrelly can uh, weave any magic this summer. 2-1, the Oilers lose in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks tonight. Brandon Davidson, another strong game from him. Western Conference battle, 2-1, I mean, against a good team. And on that respect, you kind of got to like the way you guys played. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, you got to take note of uh, the way we played here on this road trip, I think, uh, in here collectively as a group, we uh, bared down and decided to play a different way than what we have been in the past. So uh, that's a good sign for sure. But, uh, I mean, the standard's still two points, and we're very disappointed about that. Uh, that winning goal, I mean, it was against you, but it was a beauty. I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you appreciate the aesthetics of it? I mean, it's, uh, it's a good move. Uh, he crisscrossed. He uh, made a great play. Mm-hmm. I think he recognized that there was a forward skating backwards, and uh, he took advantage of that. So, I mean... Uh, a little bit better communication, we can, uh, you know, change the outcome of that. A lot of young defensemen playing for the Oilers right now, yourself included, but how do you think they stacked up on this road trip against two heavy opponents? Yeah, I think uh, all the D stepped up, uh, first of all, and especially the young guys. And Australia came in here and did a great job so far. And, you know, that's those are good signs moving forward. And I think, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the way we are right now. We're young, we're learning, and uh, well, we're moving in the right direction. You said you guys talked about playing this way. Was it sort of a, like a, a discussion you had heading into the trip that you wanted to just really focus on defense? Yeah, we want to reestablish our game. I think uh, our forwards did a great job forechecking this, this weekend. Um, they did a great job battling and, and getting pucks to us. And the defensemen uh, stepped up as well. I think it was just a better team effort all the way around. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a nice sign to see for sure, but uh, standard's still, still two points. When you've had trouble winning games and you have a game like last night and tonight you play really well, what's the effect on your team? You know, it's frustrating for sure. I think uh, a little bit, uh, you know, you're disappointed we lost. That's 
it's, it's never fun, and, and we've definitely got a few, few more things to work on. But, uh, you know, the, the signs are there. The positives are there. Um, as long as we keep working on those things, I think uh, there will be better outcomes. Todd continues to lean on you and give you a, a bunch of minutes. You had over 26 tonight. Are you comfortable yet with that role at this NHL level? It's it's kind of a, a big burden on you right now. It's uh, it's something I want. It's it's uh, what I'm working for, and uh, I'm glad to see that uh, the trust is there between the coaching staff. And uh, I'm learning as well too as I go, and, and uh, working my legs into into those kind of minutes as well. And um, I'm happy with uh, with the ice time, and I want to just continue to push forward and and make sure I do all I can for my team. All right, that is Brandon Davidson winds up playing 26 minutes and 32 seconds tonight. The Oilers have to settle for one point. The Ducks take it 2-1 in overtime. Randall and Rocket are up next on the phone line, 780-496-0063. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich team overtime open line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Friday night. Thanks for staying up with us. It's 11:24. Rob Brown is here. Multiple 40 goal scorer in his <laughs> hockey career. Going back to age two. I was actually age six. That's where I really excelled. <laughs> that's when you really exploded on it. I did. I just jumped around. I mean, I was playing against four-year-olds back then, but oh, I could fly <laughs> by them. I'm actually really good right now when I play against my grade fours in the academy. They can't handle my speed. Yeah, you're just too much. Yeah, just the grade sixes and sevens, they're getting a little too quick for me nowadays, though. <laughs> Reed Wilkins with you as well. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. You are going to hear from head coach Todd McClellan in a couple of minutes, but first we will bring in... Randall tonight. Randall, you are you calling from the Drayton Valley area? You got that right. Oh, I grew up in Evansburg. How are things out in DV? Uh, well, the cross country skiing is still good. Yeah, snow's melting fast, isn't it? Uh, we're out road riding too, so we are uh, doing double duty. Nice. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, directed towards Rob. Uh, the Oilers' uh, results the last month. How come there's been not rec- uh, more recognition given to the loss of uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins over the last month? Like. Uh, you know, everybody was saying that we have uh, too many centers and uh, uh, Ryan goes down and uh, the Oilers don't play well. And then the other question I have is, uh, I'd like Rob to comment on it. Um, um, I only see it on TV, so uh, the Kara, the uh, player there that they brought up the last couple games, I'd like Rob's comment on his play. And then finally in the Edmonton Journal, they were talking about trading uh, Davidson um, in Scheidenkirk or something yeah I read that one as well yeah yeah like uh, like I mean uh, that's got to be just uh, space to fill paper doesn't it well, I yeah I think that's Jim Matheson going through it was Jim Matheson that wrote it and he was going through a bunch of different trades that the Oilers could make and he had I, he had him trading two of the top three players t- uh, two of either Hall Eberle and Nugent Hopkins uh, and he was just trying to see if he was GM for a day what he could do and he, he admitted it, and he said Davidson would hurt trading him, but because he's uh, very well thought of around the National Hockey League right now that he would have some cachet and be able to bring something back. Uh, I think a lot of it was wishful thinking. I, I think Brandis Davidson is playing outstanding hockey, and he's by far the Oilers' best defenseman right now. The Oilers need help on the back end. They need other players to come in and help them. Um, as for the, the Nugent Hopkins, it was funny because Reed actually said that before the game tonight. said, you know, the Oilers have really struggled since Nugent Hopkins went down. And, and, and they have. You know, I don't think Nugent has put up the offensive numbers that everyone had expected him to start achieving this where he is in his career. But he's a very sound two-way centerman that is good defensively. He... Uh, I mean, outside of his face-offs, he, he's someone that you can count on and the coaching staff trust very much, and they obviously have missed him. I think it, had he been in the lineup and you moved Dreisaitl to the wing, I think the Oilers would have been much stronger. So, yeah, I think the, the loss of Nugent Hopkins has certainly hurt the Edmonton Oilers. And the other one, and you talked about J.J. Kahara. I thought he's been very very good. I think he his... Uh, ceiling or his bar is probably a third line player at best and most likely a fourth line guy but he's got size uh, huge size he makes smart plays he's a very simple player but he's a type of big body that the others are missing on their bottom six so I think he's been fine I think he was very good the when he came up the first time and I think he gives you a consistent effort not nothing flashy but consistent 
Well, Brett? thank you. I just, I just wondered why he'd been sent down when he was first playing. He was so good, so wondered why he had to be sent down and then brought back up. But um, appreciate your comments. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Randall. We appreciate it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We will bring in Rocket, and then we're going to go to head coach Todd McClellan. Hey, Rocket. Hey, boys. How you doing? We're doing very well. How are you this evening? Uh, I'm very well. I, first of all, I was listening to uh, the Brandon Davidson interview, and I got to tell you, this that interview really impressed me. And it, and and this was like right what I called in and got put on hold kind of thing, and then I heard his interview. And and this is this is a guy that really sounds like you know above his years kind of player, leader, leadership, quality, the whole nine yards. And, and so I kind of wanted to bounce that off you guys. And then I had another comment just about uh, trades and um, where you think, uh, you know, Purcell's at and and, and Justin Schultz and, and what we're going to get with him. Obviously, those two guys are, are first and foremost, but... Uh, I also wanted to talk about if you're going to get rid of a $6 million man, in my opinion, the likely candidate is Jordan Eberle because he's a smaller guy and you can replace him with a bigger guy or a defenseman and 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 not really, you know, you're going to lose out in some points, but I think you can fill that gap. So I just kind of thought um, those those were my, my two comments and I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, cool. Thanks. I'll start with Brandon Davidson. One of the things that happens in a lot of organizations hasn't happened with the Oilers uh, over the last few years because the Oilers have been not very good is a lot of young players normally start in the minors. They pay their dues in the minors. They gain an incredible amount of experience. They learn to be a leader. They learn to appreciate the game. At that level, they can hone their skills at the pace that they're comfortable with. They're not thrown into the fire down there. And Brandon Davidson was one of those players, went down to the minors, put in his time down there, had to overcome some injuries and some health things, but he became a leader down there. So when he came up to the National Hockey League this year, he was ripe. He was ready. He understood his role. He was comfortable in who he was. Nothing surprised him. Uh, he didn't have to worry about the speed of the game because he was able to work on it in the minors. So I think he's a great example for all the people who earlier this year were talking, why is Reinhardt going to the minors? I think some players need to go to the minors to hone their skills, and when they come, they're ready. And then there's no confidence issues. And I think Brandon Davidson is a great example of a kid who's paid his dues, appreciates what it's like to be a National Hockey Leaguer now, and is now saying, okay, I've been to the minors. I do not want to go back, and he's doing everything possible to show he belongs here. So that uh, great you, great observations by you on Brandon Davidson, and I think he is a keeper, and it's because he was starting his career in the minors and learning his skills there. And if people don't know part of the story, a couple of years ago he did a, a battle testicular cancer, and, uh, you know, look, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like he was on his deathbed or anything like that, but certainly uh, I'm sure a scary moment for him and, and something he had to deal with. Um, Bob McKenzie from TSN has tweeted out, it looks like Teddy Purcell and Justin Schultz will return to Edmonton with the Oilers, but Anders Nielsen won't. Uh, we are hearing reports that Anders Nielsen is going to be traded to St. Louis. We will see. Uh, it seems like for Teddy Purcell there's a lot of chatter about L.A. or Florida. And you know Schultz, we touched on the the Tampa Bay possibility, so uh, we'll wait. We'll wait and see with that. No, no, it's funny is, and this has happened before here in Edmonton, where Bob McKenzie tells something that's happening across the country. Like he's in Toronto, it's one thirty in the morning in Toronto, and he's telling us who's coming back to Edmonton. He did it before where there's a game, and he's telling us who's scratched. We we're in the press box, didn't know a player was scratched, and Bob McKenzie was tuned into it. So. Uh, I guess he's got uh, he's got spies all over the place. But Anders Nielsen, uh, uh, good for Anders. Anders, uh, he came in, won a job here. He had a great run, has struggled. Maybe a new change of scenery for him will help get his career going back in the right way. All right. 
And, uh, yeah, reports uh, that Nielsen to St. Louis for a fourth or fifth rounder. We'll see. Nothing is confirmed yet by uh, by, by either team, but we'll keep an eye on that one. All right, let's bring in Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. They lose tonight 2-1 in overtime to the Ducks. Todd, you indicated you might find something out about your club in the two games heading into this swing. I know it's incomplete and there's still 19 games left, but what have you found out to this point? Well, on the swing, uh, we got on a plane a couple days ago in, in Edmonton and uh, nobody was happy with with the input into the games, never mind the outcome. And uh, these last two nights, I think we've become a pretty scrappy team. Um, I have no complaints about the work ethic or the input into the game. Obviously, we'd like better results. We'd like to uh, to find a way to give our goaltender, who played extremely well again tonight, uh, some run support. But we're playing against, you know, we're stepping into the, the ring with Muhammad Ali right now with, with some of these teams, and, and we're able to stay in until the late rounds. But... Um, I mentioned yesterday after the game in L.A., we're not, or even this morning in the media scrum, we're not, uh, you know, that we, that's not good enough. We've got to find ways to win. Just hanging with teams isn't uh, isn't good enough, but um, we needed to reestablish um, the input part, and I think we've done that to this point. We need some rest um, and uh, regroup and play against a team that drilled us uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in New York. Maybe we can... Uh, continue to be a scrappy group and, and test them as well. When you look at uh, just what you've seen out of this club after the, the last week, these last two nights, do you think maybe they you know, prove something to themselves that they, they can play against some of the better teams and just continue to push forward? Well, they they knew that before. Um, we just tried to do it uh, via shortcuts for a little while, and uh, that doesn't work. So uh, I think more importantly, we found that part out. Um, We've been able to play with some of the good teams all season. Uh, are we able to beat them consistently? No, because our record would be much better. But to stay in it and to battle and, and to compete with them, um, I think we knew that. The uh, the lesson came in in the lack of drive and, and effort in, in Edmonton in the homestand. So um, we're, we're back to, to uh, the work ethic and the competitiveness. And uh, now we've got to find ways to scrap our way into, uh, into some wins. Ultimately, that's how you have to play in this conference, right? This is the. Well, you do. You have to. You have to check your butts off to win. And um, you know, the team we played tonight's probably found that out more than anybody. They, uh, you know, they probably approached the game to to score and win um, early in the year, and they figured out if they check and check and check and and play a real scrappy game, they win a lot, uh, a lot. And I think they've won 22, 23 games since Christmas. Um, so that's uh, that's a lesson we can all look at. Um, I was concerned about the spirit when we left uh, Edmonton to come here, and, and uh, at this point, I don't have that concern. I think it's back in there, and it's where it needs to be. Uh, we'll need to get a reward at some point. Uh, one point helps a little bit, but uh, we'll need more. That red support, how do you get that at the expense of what all the good things that you saw here? Well, power play, um, you know, we went against the number two penalty kill tonight, I think number three last night. The power play has to get you one. Um, couple opportunities, maybe more last night than tonight in and around the blue paint uh, pucks on some really talented players and it doesn't quite go in so um, we'll find ways to get that uh, maybe get a little dirtier in the blue paint shots through a little bit more but um, it's going to have to be scrappy from now to the end of the year the last two games, are you finding out more about your young defenseman and if so, what is it? <clears throat> yeah, the, you know what, the back end um, had to handle big, big bodies, had to handle strong cycles, uh, quick, crafty players. Um, these last two nights, you look at Osterley and, and Clendenning and those type of players, um, you know, they're getting their feet wet real quick um, against some good good teams. And, um, and we've got to keep putting them out. That's what we have. And hopefully they keep getting better. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. The Oilers get a single point tonight in Anaheim. The Ducks take it 2-1 in overtime. Doug, you're up next on Overtime Open Line, presented by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. We're in the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Ricard Raquel, the overtime hero for the Ducks. They beat the Oilers 2-1. Getzlaff and Eberle had the goals in regulation time. Anaheim out shooting the Oilers 34-18, including 12-3 in the third period. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Doug, thanks for waiting through the break there. What's on your mind? 
not a problem, guys. Hey, listen, um, uh, last couple of nights, uh, you sure can't complain about the effort and the try and, and all that stuff. Uh, that's uh, You can't ask more than from what they played. Uh, results, well, that's another story. But at any rate, brings me up to what we were talking about uh, earlier on. Uh, we're into next year's country again. <laughs> uh, again, son of a gun, this has got to be the most disappointing year in the last five, I think, because we... As fans, I think, and the team themselves, I think they were probably expecting more this year. And that's what kind of brings it as a bit of a downer to the rest of uh, people out there watching, is that we expected more of this team. And again, it's about the effort and the try and the way you play the game. And for much of the season this year, it just wasn't there. Uh, earlier on, yeah, they were close. But uh, you can see after January into February, we weren't going to make it again. So, Rob, I've got to ask you a question. Going into next year, once they get their team set after summer, because there's only going to be a couple moves now, and they're going to try and reset their team for going into next year, does the coaching staff, or, or do they have the ability to tell the guys on the team, and that this means from the top player to the bottom player, everybody has deficiencies. This is what we expect you to work at, whether it be you know, face-offs or, or clearing the puck out of your zone or system of play or whatever. Do they do they put something forward like that to these guys over the summer? These expectations, what what we want to see you come to camp, being able to do or to work on. Does that happen, or do they just let them go away for the summer and yeah, two weeks before training camp we get together and away we go? Or how does it work, Rob? So what happens at the end of the season? They'll have um, exit meetings where the players will have one-on-ones with the coaching staff, sometimes the GM, but usually it's the coaching staff, and they'll sit in there and they'll talk about the season. They'll talk about expectations for next year talk about things that you exactly what you said things we need to work on so for for Nugent Hopkins you know what you you got to work on your strength we need you to be stronger for next year what do you got planned for the summer working out are you going to come in here can you work out with us can we use we've got our guy here are you going to come here or should he send you the stuff we need you to work on face-offs We've got our video guy that set up a whole bunch of uh, videos of face-off. Here's some guys that are very good in the league. He want you to watch as I want you to try what they're doing. So face-offs, work on your speed, work on your wrists. Get stronger in that area. Uh, uh, it's, if, if a Justin Schultz is gone, we need you to be more physical. So that means you got to get stronger. So, yeah, absolutely. They go through everything that they want them to do in the offseason. They will uh, – a good coaching staff – and I've had both, good and bad. A good coaching staff will be in touch, you know, once a month. How are things going? What are you doing? How's the workouts going? Are you healthy? We talked earlier that we wanted you to work on this. Are you doing that? So, yeah, they will be in touch. And they will have a, a set of things that they want that player to do. And it will be specific to that player over the course of the summer because they want to come back. And, and they, when they come back next year, and you saw with Todd McClellan this year in training camp, he had lines right away. He wanted to get off to a good start. He knows the importance of the points in October. Now, it never worked out well for the Oilers this year, but again, next year, when they come into training camp, he wants them all to know, okay, here's what our power play is this year. Here's our penalty killing. Here's our forecheck. So the very first day of training camp, they're well prepared. So everything that you said is exactly what the coaching staff and the players will be sitting down talking about when the exit meetings happen at the end of the season. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for your time, then, Rob. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Thanks for calling tonight. It's 11.44. Obviously, no Japanese Village goal like tonight. Uh, we did have it a couple times earlier in the month. The Oilers have to score five or more. He's had it three times, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Leafs, Blue Jackets, and Senators. We were on fire. It was. It was coming rapid. Free appetizer coupons I got, everywhere. I just was filling up on Japanese appetizers. <laughs> Japanese Village, three locations, downtown, south side, and north side. All right, so the Oilers lose 2-1 in overtime to the Ducks. You're going to hear from Jordan Eberle, who had the Oilers' goal tonight when we get back. Terry Peranich, Real Estate Team, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich Team, overtime open line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the Oilers winless in 7, 0, 5, and 2 in that stretch. One of those two tonight, they lose 2-1 in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. Getzlaff on a power play early into the third, just a minute 11 later. Everly tied it up with his 20th of the season, fourth time he's hit 20 goals in his career. Ricard Raquel. Minute 24 into OT. 
the game winner. If you missed it, great move around Dreisaitl, and he beat Talbot up high. All three goals were beautiful goals tonight. Uh, Getzlaff up under the bar, beat Talbot on the PP. A beautiful shot. Everly's shot was gorgeous on a nice pass by Pouliot. And then obviously the overtime winner is one that uh, will probably be up for play of the night and possibly play of the month because that was an absolutely beautiful goal by Raquel. All right, let's go back to Anaheim, and here's Oilers winger Jordan Everly. Outshot, but I don't think outplayed would be the way to describe this one. How did you see that one unfolding? Yeah, I thought we held our own. I thought um, we had had our chances, and, and obviously Barrett in one of them, and and, uh, and played well defensively. So um, a lot of positives tonight. I mean, you get a point, but um, you know, three on three, it's uh, it's kind of anyone's game. He made they made a great play to, to score that winner, and, and uh, you know, but you know, it's nice to get one point. How would you uh, assess Cam Talbot's performance tonight? He kept you in it, especially in the first. Yeah, he played very solid, I think. He's done that for us all year. Um, gives us a chance to win, uh, makes big saves when, when we need it, and uh, you know you need that to win hockey games. These aren't easy teams to score against. Mm -hmm. You would have liked more than a one in each game, I guess. I mean, that could be the difference. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we, like I said, we had our chances. Um, you know, you know that, that's a positive, like I said. But I, I liked our defensive part. We didn't give up anything either. So. Um, you know that that's obviously uh, a huge positive, but like I said, you're going to need one more than one to beat a team like this, and, and obviously LA, and, and um, you know it's something we'll address. But um, I, I don't think it was for a lack of chances. And being able to play this game from the two on the Western Conference mm -hmm. game was something you have to be able to do at some point. So. Yeah, and you know I like the scrappiness we had. I thought uh, we battled hard, we competed hard. Um, I thought we won a lot of battles, won a lot of wall battles, um, and that's what you need to do. That's, that's playoff type hockey. Um, you know you, you need to. To play that way if you're going to want to beat these teams down here and and, uh, and move forward. All right, so that's uh, Jordan Everly. It's 11:50. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, again, if you missed it earlier, a lot of speculation that Anders Nielsen on the uh, verge of going to St. Louis. I'm just trying to think if anything's been uh, formally announced. But uh, the Teddy Purcell rumors uh, continue to circulate as well. So we'll see what happens. Could be a busy weekend um, for the Oilers for sure. And uh, Justin, Stoltz, Justin Schultz, his name still out there too. Yeah, it's going to be a busy couple of days. Uh, there's some things that I'm sure Peter Shirelli has on his to-do list he'd like to have done by Monday at 1 o'clock. And there's a, a number of other things on his to-do list that he's going to want to have done by the draft in, in June. Not all the moves that the Oilers are going to make are going to happen in the next couple of days. The bigger ones, I believe, will happen at season's end when teams can start uh, cutting their own salaries because if, if the Oilers do move one of their big players, there's a lot of money left in contracts that not a lot of teams can handle right now. All right, let's take a look at some other action tonight, Rob. We'll start on the farm where the San Jose Barracuda came from behind to knock off the Bakersfield Condors 4-3 tonight. Rob Klinkhammer has uh, 10 goals in 15 games in the minors this season. Uh, good for him. Uh, down in the minors, you have a little bit extra time uh, when it comes to making offensive plays. I think at the National Hockey League level, he's more of a third-line type of guy. Sorry, 10 goals in 13 games. That's even better. But he, he doesn't have the time in the National Hockey League to do it. In the minors, he has a little more time, and with his speed, he should be able to create a number of opportunities at that level. All right, the Edmonton Oil Kings, big winners tonight, 6-2 over the Kootenai Ice. They're, they're going to make the playoffs, and they, they are playing good hockey right now, putting some wins together, trying to get a little confidence going into the playoffs. The U of A Golden Bears cruising tonight at Claire Drake Arena, 7-1 over Mount Royal. They can try to sweep that three-game series tomorrow at 6, once again at Claire Drake. And my friend Fernando Pisani is going to say it's all his coaching that is doing that. He's the assistant coach to Serge Lachois. Good luck to them. Hopefully they win tomorrow. That'll put them into the national championships. All right. They'd still have to play the winner of the uh, other semifinal for the Canada West title. But, yeah, they would go to nationals. Uh, Saskatchewan beat Calgary in double overtime in game one of their series, by the way. NHL action tonight. Uh, the Sabres win over the Sharks 3-1. The Lightning shut out the Devils 4-0. Uh, tough couple of days for the Devils. Yeah, they don't score a lot of goals, and if Corey Schneider's not standing on his head, they don't win hockey games. In the last two games, the Devils have given up 10 goals against. That's not good hockey. Ovechkin got his 40th as Washington beat Minnesota 4-2. 
A big win for Washington, best team in the National Hockey League right now. They, uh, they've they got good coaching, good offense, good defense, and fantastic goaltending. They are a team that uh, they've got a great opportunity to go a long way in the playoffs. And Matt Bolesky scored twice, leading the Bruins past the Hurricanes 4-1. The Canadians trading Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman to the Blackhawks for prospect Philip Deneau and a second-round pick in 2018. Scuderi from Chicago to L.A., Airhoff from L.A. to Chicago, another trade today. And that's just added to the trade of Andrew Ladd that went to the Chicago Blackhawks uh, just, a, was it yesterday, I believe. So the Chicago Blackhawks, they know that they've got a great young core. They want to build around that core, and they're, they're looking to make another long run here and add to their Stanley Cup championship rings. NBA tonight, Kyle Lowry, 43 points. Rob, you were watching the end of this game. The Raptors beat Cleveland 99 What a great game. I tell you, Lowry was fantastic. He's going head-to-head with LeBron James. Lowry makes a shot with three seconds to go in the game. LeBron James, he throws an air ball up with no time remaining, and the Toronto Raptors knock off the Cleveland... Cavaliers. There you go. See, I was just seeing if you're listening to me. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Sometimes you, you, you. Sometimes I'm not. I asked you a question during the game today. <laughs> I you answered, answered you. And then I watched the replay and I was like, oh, look, you didn't touch the puck. And you were like, yeah, that's what I told you. And then I was you like, said, yeah, I, I zoned you out as soon as I asked the question. <laughs> and I said, you're just like my wife. Perfect. Uh, curling tonight. Alberta winning 7 5 over Team Canada in the 1 2 page playoff game at the Scotties in Grand Prairie. So Chelsea Carey. Goes straight to Sunday's final. Canada gets the second life tomorrow against the winner of Manitoba and Northern Ontario. We even watched some of that game tonight. We watched a lot today. It seems like we've been in this little cubicle for the last 24 hours. It's been quite a few of the hours we've been here. We saw a lot of sports. We didn't get to see any of my American Idol reruns. We're going to have to get that on the PVR down here. (laughs) Got to see who's winning. That's great. Okay, so uh, keep it tuned to 630Ched and 630Ched.com for any uh, trades. Uh, Again, if you missed it, 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 Anders Nielsen, it's pretty hot and heavy that uh, he's going to St. Louis for a fourth or a fifth rounder. Obviously, nothing is uh, confirmed, so uh, we obviously wait for the NHL or one of the teams to announce it. Well, hopefully he's going somewhere, considering they left him behind. Well, I think Poor guy. I, I think they're spending the night, actually, so and flying back in the morning. But Bob yeah, McKenzie anyway. said they left him behind. Bob's never wrong. He's probably working the ticket counter at LAX. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right, so the next Oilers broadcast is going to be Sunday night. They're back home to face the New York Islanders, 6 o'clock for the face-off show. And the game will start at 7.30. Rob, we're going to be back in this little cubicle Monday at 11 or even earlier if the Oilers do something for a special trade deadline coverage. Yeah, it should be a fun day. I mean, we always are excited when the Oilers do something, but there's a lot of teams right now that feel they got a great opportunity this year. So I believe there are going to be some buyers, and when there's some buyers, that means there's going to be some excitement for you and I to talk about. All right, Rob, thanks for your time, buddy. Have a great weekend. Sounds good. You too. The studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy, the executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 630 Ched, is Sid Smith. I'm in. Go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com for stories and interviews. 2-1, the Ducks take it in overtime. It's 11.57. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening.